Hey, what's going on, you crazy Floridians? So glad to have you with us. Uh, we, uh, you might notice I'm a little more golden brown uh, today. I, I was on vacation over on the Gulf Coast. Ginger's rolling her eyes. What? What, what is it, Gigi? Yeah, I noticed. Now, yeah, you kept bragging about your, your tan and your bronziness when you got back. And I was like, you're fine. It's yeah, <laughs> it's good. It feels good to get a little vitamin D. We have a great show planned for you today. I'm super excited. This is, you know, we pride ourselves on being a show that is Florida-centric. We have uh, the most Florida-centric guys that you're ever going to see. Okay. I'll say, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those stories where we we ran the story on air a couple of weeks ago or last week, and everyone I couldn't even look at my TV screen when it was on. We were in the studio, and I had to turn away. But I'm going to face it today. I'm going to face all of my fears today, and I hope uh, you will too. That we are. So I want to bring these guys on. I want to tell you about them. These <laughs> are okay. So on the on the right we have Kevin the Snakeaholic Pavlidis, and then uh, he's an alligator wrestler. Everglades Holiday Park, Python contractor with Florida Fish and Wildlife. And then uh, we have Ryan. He's, he's on the left. Kevin's on the right. Uh, Ryan is a Python contractor with the South Florida Water District. If they look a little tired, they just told us it's because they were out until four in the morning. They found seven <laughs> pythons yesterday. And the, not all, the only pythons that are on Ryan right now with those guns hanging out uh, with the tank top. Those are 24-inch so. pythons for sure. <laughs> <laughs> At least. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We are glad to have you with us on Florida's Fourth Estate. So we should, uh, before we start the interview, I guess we should kind of bring in this video, Gigi, of these guys. They found an, it was a nearly 19-foot python out in the Everglades. Let's bring this video in here, and you can see there's Ryan, and he's he grabs a hold of this thing. You can kind of hear the reaction here. We appreciate uh, Angela uh, who uh, took this video and just take a look as they start to bring this snake out. Just li listen, listen to how they're fighting this thing. The excitement on your voices, I, I'm hearing let's go baby. If I were in this situation, I'd be saying let's get out of here baby. <laughs> Let's not do this, guys. What? So, what's going through your mind when you spot this thing in the water? Yeah, that means run. <laughs> crazy, crazy situation. Oh so this thing God, is wrapped. This thing is wrapped so I, around I you right now. It. Um, I was actually in the driver's seat, um, and um, I initially spotted it, but from my vantage. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I honestly wasn't too worried about it. I mean, I, I know I got Kevin there with me to, you know, keep things from. I mean, and this is not our first rodeo. <clears throat> so I wasn't too concerned about that. Yeah. So I spotted it second because Ryan was the first person to see it. And then it was on his side. I was hunting the other side and looked around, looked back over. And the second I saw that thing, I knew we were in for a battle because it was the biggest python I'd ever seen in my life. So hopped down there and got to work. But Ryan and I are professionals. You know, we've both been doing this a long time. We work very yep. well as a team. So I knew it was going to be a battle. How, but you're in waist-deep water, it looks like. How can you tell? 
right, so you're in deep water. How can you tell something is that big? You know, with gators, you just see their eyes, and then all of a sudden you have an 18-footer. How do you know when you're in waist-deep water that you're dealing with something you haven't dealt with before? Can you guys I mean, hear us? Honestly, the second I looked at it, just the girth around the body. You can hear us, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we're hearing you. There's a little bit of a delay we're dealing with today for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that uh, we appreciate you bearing with us. Go ahead, Ryan. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, there's just a slight delay, but yeah, we can hear you guys fine. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. We have a lot of but, people joining us on Facebook right now, uh, and some people are being hilarious. We have uh, Artie who says, hey, there, uh, Python Sunday at my house. She's my mother-in-law. So, Artie, thank you. I hope your mother-in-law does not watch our podcast or you're going to have some explaining to do. Um, and some people some people are talking, and they have, they have questions. Some people are saying, just get rid of the thing. I know a lot of these uh, pythons, a lot of people who are snake lovers say, why would you kill it? Because I think you did have to kill it. We have some video or some uh, pictures of uh, afterwards. But some people are saying, why not just leave this thing alive, guys? But really, in fact, these snakes cause a huge problem for our population, right, of the other wildlife. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these are, it's not just your typical invasive species. I mean, this is an apex predator. And these things are eating any chance they get. And I think a lot of people get confused with, with captive bred snakes that may only eat, you know, once a month or once every two months. Uh, these things are eating every chance they get. They're constantly on the move. And I mean, I, I have such huge respect for them. At, you know, they're just built to survive. And it's unfortunate the situation that they're in. I don't think any one of us enjoys, you know, the, the end result. But mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta look out for our, our native habitat and to relocate thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you know gigantic pythons is just logistically is just not possible so yeah i i know a lot on this topic um but let me be the first to say that i and pretty much every other contractor that i've met out there we've all loved snakes our entire lives we absolutely love them our native species are some of the highlights of our evening if we get to run into them but it's not about snakes it's about invasive species. And invasive species are the second leading cause of global extinction. So that's, it goes habitat loss is number one. Invasive species is number two cause for global species extinction. And here, Burmese pythons, apex predators. So right at the top of the food chain, you're looking at an invasive apex predator right there in our native wildlife, in our environment, consuming our native wildlife, and it does, it's a very unfortunate outcome. We're very conflicted. I've been working with Burmese pythons since I was 11 years old. I love them. They're beautiful animals. They're incredibly powerful. But in our, in our South Florida ecosystem, they just don't belong. They're from Southeast Asia. And every single python that we remove represents that many native animals that aren't going to get consumed by that individual. So every single python we remove counts. And... We've been through all the different steps of, you know, can you relocate them? Can you put them in captivity? 
logistically nothing works out. Our programs have removed over 5,000 pythons to date, and we catch more every single night. So that's a lot to mm. even try to find for, you know, if you wanted to try and put them in captivity. The other one we get a lot is, can you relocate them to Southeast Asia? No, because the biggest problem there, you know, aside from the finances, is actually that they could be a disease vector and bring a non-native, you know, bring an infection here to the native population. And in the native range, a lot of places, they're actually endangered. So that could cripple what's left of that population there, and we would never take that risk. So it's a very complicated issue. Uh, we all love these animals, and we're always conflicted about you know their outcome. That they are invasive, and they, most of them are put down. But it's all eyes on the bigger picture. It's conservation, and there's tough decisions that need to be made for the greater good. Yeah, you know what I love that I'm hearing from you guys, and I think a lot of people do too, is that you know so much about the ecosystem and the, the you know this invasive species because a lot of people you they think of you guys as snake hunters and they just think of cowboys out there just willing to do something dangerous and just for the thrill of it you're really doing it for the good of our ecosystem a hundred percent i mean i'm a third generation south floridian um my dad grew up out in the Everglades. He took me out in the Everglades when I was growing up. So yeah, it's, it's very near and dear to me to just basically do my small part, you know, to try to help out. And my small part, along with Kevin's small part and all the other contractors' small part, you know, it's a collective effort that ends up making some, some you know, very positive results in the long run. Yeah, a lot of people say, how did there get to be so many pythons out there in the Everglades? You guys, like you said, have pulled thousands of them out of there. These things have been caught with tons of eggs, right? Can you explain to folks how the reproductive system works on these things? Like, uh, have you ever found a snake with like tons of uh, little babies ready to have? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is why they're an issue. I mean... So the way that these snakes work is very similar to a lot of other apex predators. When they have babies, they have a ton of babies because they anticipate that out of that huge group of animals, one or two will make it to adulthood. So these pythons, I have regularly, every breeding season, I'll catch a female that has over 70 eggs in her. The Ooh. one as big as, as our breeder, we, she could potentially have up to 120 eggs. Oh, easily. Yeah. So if you're looking at 120 eggs, have over a 90% hatch-out rate, so they're very, very fertile. And then of those babies that hatch out, you're looking at one or two will hypothetically make it to adulthood in their native range. But the problem is they're so good at surviving, and our animals here are not exactly built to deal with them. They have a much higher rate of success, and that's where the numbers are really exploding from because you're gonna have all those animals, but these Burmese pythons in a year can go from fresh out of the egg, they hatch out at about two feet in length. In a year, we've seen them reach five to six feet in length. Now that is already as big, if not bigger, than almost all of our native snakes. With uh, the second year, they can be over eight feet in length. And at that point, they've surpassed even our largest native snakes, which would be the Eastern Indigo. Mm. which has maxed out somewhere up there, you know, 
nine foot range, they're already at that spot. So once they get over that size, they have very, very few predators that'll actually be able to take them out. It really just comes down to alligators, cars, and people <laughs> once they reach a certain size. And I, you know, these, these pythons are starting out fresh out of the egg at two feet long. And that already puts them well ahead of, of our native snakes as far as size. And I mean, they're, they're consuming, you know, what our native snakes would consume as prey. And I mean, so from the get go, they're causing a, a huge imbalance, you know, in the natural habitat. Yeah. Do you feel like we'll ever be able to get a handle on on these things again? Because there are so many, you know, we have the hunt every year and people catch a bunch of them. But every year it just seems like there are more and more. And when you say you you captured one with 70 eggs, that's a scary uh, thing to think about. But do you think we'll ever get back to where they are will not be an invasive species? No. Uh <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to come up pessimistic, but I mean, when you look at the vastness of the Everglades, our goal is not eliminating the entire population. It would be nice to hypothetically accomplish that goal, but when you look at the vastness of the Everglades and what we have access to, already it becomes a logistical nightmare. So our goal really mentally we don't focus on we're going to get rid of all of them our goal is every single one that we remove is one less invasive apex predator consuming our native wildlife we probably will never find a solution to get rid of all of them it's just the, the problem has gone you know unmanaged for too long and now that it is in the public light and we're doing more about it we're managing the population as best we can but realistically i don't see a way to get rid of all of them i mean we're we're mainly just looking to take any sort of stress or strain off off the native wildlife i mean everything from from our native snakes to our native mammal mammals and you know our alligators so it's just you know it's it's management point yeah, yeah. yeah it's well, so it's it's tough situation. It seems like you're trying to find a lot of needles in a lot of different haystacks when you're dealing with this. Uh, one thing that we're getting a lot of questions about on our chat here is Julie Owen saying, do you make money off of these captures? Which I know you guys do make some money. It sounds like you do it because of your love for the environment and protecting the other species. But can you guys tell us what kind of money can you make? So say that 19 footer you guys just pulled out. What what's What do you get for that? So, I mean, first off, I, I personally would like to say, because I know a lot of people bring up, you know, the monetary aspect. Um, I started catching pythons in 2012, um, just as a hobby, just, uh, you know, a, a way to help out while I was out in the Everglades. So, I mean, it's, it's not the money. I was doing this long before the state started contracting folks. But, um, we, yeah, we get, we get paid a minimum wage to be out there hourly. And our pay scale, which, I mean, you can go on South Florida Water Management's website and you can read our pay scale, but it's uh, $50 for the first four feet and then $25 for every foot after that. Yeah. So, uh, that's not a lot. That doesn't sound worth you it, guys. guys. No. <laughs> <That was> it. <laughs> well, look, I mean, that, so that 18-footer was just over 400 bucks plus our hourly pay. Um, the seven, the seven that we pulled last night, 
I mean, if you, if you did the math on that, it's, but I mean, you have to go out and do this. I mean, it's not just something, you know, willy nilly, that's just going to come to you. You do got to put in the time and the effort, but yeah. And there's, there's a lot of contractors. The job really isn't designed to be a full time. Really up to be, you know, a side job for most people. I and Ryan and I, we're one of very few people do it professionally as a full-time job we put in a lot of hours but it's not something you get into for the money and it's funny because i've had supervisors tell me that they've had people reach out like oh i can't wait to make all this money catching snakes and they kind of just laugh at them and go yeah you're in the wrong business Oh, so uh, can you can you just kind of lay out like you're probably going to this is something you do daily, like you went out and you, you're out till four this morning. Kind of walk us through how you even get ready for something like this and where you decide where you're going to go. Like I would imagine you can't go out there. You can't be tired because then your attention, you're not focused. You got to eat something and it looks like you're both a pretty healthy guys. So kind of walk us through how you get ready to go out and, and capture these things. I am the textbook definition of burn the candle at both ends. Let me start by saying that. Um, yeah, so I'm less nervous about being tired to go catch pythons than I am at my other job. With my other job, I wrestle alligators for tourists. We do education. <laughs> oh, so I work at Everglades Holiday Park wrestling gators out there. And that is where I don't want to be tired because it's not good to walk into an alligator pit exhausted and half asleep and wrestle an animal that's going to try to kill you. But <laughs> I guess, <laughs> but it pretty much, yeah, we, I mean, nothing crazy. Cause you never really know, uh, really, you never, you're never going to be prepared. You're just going to go into it with a clear head, be ready for it. But I mean, that big, the record breaker was honestly the, the textbook definition of like, as prepared as you think you are, you're never ready. Like nothing can prepare you for that exact moment, no matter how experienced, how talented you are. When it when it's game time, it's you just gotta go for it and jump in the water. <laughs> Ryan, what That's about crazy. you? Is there anything in particular you do to prepare? Oh yeah, I load up on uh, energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Usually a couple of things of beef turkey because I got to eat while I'm out there. So, Yeah. But no, sense. I'll be sipping on energy drinks all night because like you said, it's weird because I mean, you know, people that we've had ride along, it, it, you know, because we're mostly cruising around out there in the vehicle and it doesn't seem like something too difficult. But when you're when you're staring off the side of a levee hours and hours and hours on end, it is just mentally exhausting. And you can't, you can't look away. You can't blink. Mm -hmm. Things are so well hidden. You have to stay focused and, and pay attention to what you're looking at the whole time you're, you're cruising along. And it, it takes a toll on you. I mean, last night, like, for instance, you know, we were out for, I think, five or six hours total. And, I mean, we had to switch, we had to switch off driving on the way home. We, we have about an, it was about an hour and a half drive home. So Kevin drove half the way and then I drove the other half. I mean, we're just, we're just exhausted. Yeah. And 
I mean, the, the roughest part for me is that some days, you know, when I'm catching pythons, I'll get home at 7 a.m. Like as the sun's coming up. And then the other days where I'm gators at the holiday, I got to be out the door at 7 in the morning. So oh, it's that flip back and forth. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that seems tough. That seems like you guys uh, are really burning the candle at both ends, like you say. Because we, I know you were up until 4 in the morning. You woke up to do this interview. We appreciate that. Uh, some of our, a lot of our listeners and viewers are in Central Florida, and they are curious as to what you guys think about these pythons possibly making their way up into Central Florida. We're hoping it's too chilly mm -hmm. for them up here, but I, I don't really, I don't really know. Is it conducive, a conducive environment for them to be up near Orlando? It's, um, I think. I mean, this is this is my outlook on it. I mean, you have the the, the weather is definitely a huge factor, but also habitat and environment. You know, the further north you go, it starts to, it starts to slightly change, and I think that also pl plays a role in the fact that I think they're going to stay down here for the most part. Yeah, I mean, think about their native habitat, what they're looking for. They need those lush wetlands. That's really where they want to go. Um, and temperature is 100% an extremely isolating factor. Mm -hmm. So they, I really don't think that they're going to go much past the bottom of Lake Okeechobee. You know, we've had reports up there. Um, you know, there, there are reports from all over the state, but we're pretty sure that most of those isolated incidents are just individual snakes that were released. It's not actually the population is spreading that far. So I don't think they're going to make it much past Lake Okeechobee, but they could definitely get into the whole cane fields region and the bottom of Lake Okeechobee. They'll definitely make it that far. There's already been isolated reports of them up there, but I don't think they're going to make it much further than that because you got to remember these are tropical animals. Uh, even when we get days down, if it hits 50 degrees, those snakes are going to be out basking 100%, can't tolerate temperatures that are that cold. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, okay, so we're still getting comments from people. The uh, They're very observant. One person says, you guys really like hot sauce. Uh, two, Julie Owens wants to know if you've ever been bitten. So, let me Say that yes, I pretty much drink hot sauce. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> like every part of our lives, <laughs> and it's no different. But <laughs> and yeah, it's just part of the job. I mean, it's it's gonna, um, it's not well. Maybe for me personally, it's it's not as bad as people would think, but I mean, I could be wrong. It could be bad for other people. Um, the biggest issue is um, they'll possibly, you know, if they, they go bite your hand or bite your arm or whatever, they can sometimes leave leave their teeth embedded in, in the skin. Yeah. And that's the big thing you gotta look out for. You get an infection. I mean, I've had to dig a few out. I mean, literally with a razor, I've had to dig it out of my freaking finger. And, Ooh, but that's, I mean, when you've caught, you know, several hundred pythons, I mean, you're, you're going to get bit every once in a while. But I think I can count on one hand how many times I've been bit. So it's it's not yeah. as bad as you would think. Because the thing, too, is the teeth are literally so sharp. It's incredible. Like, they'll just right in. 
I mean, they, they literally just have like a hundred just, just recurved teeth and they're just razor sharp. Uh. And you don't even feel the tooth like going in. It's just so sharp. The biggest issue is people get nervous. You know, they get in their own head. They freak out and they pull back. So if your teeth are oh. shaped like this and they go in and you pull back, if you hold your ground, it'll come back out and then it's just a puncture hole. And it's really not that bad. It doesn't even really bleed. But yeah, <laughs> they're, they're just, they're, you know, they're, they're just trying to get away, basically. You know, it's not, it's not trying to eat you or anything. It's just a defense mechanism saying, hey, you know, let me go. So they'll usually, it, it'll just usually be a quick, you know, a little nibble on the hand and, and they'll let go trying to get away. So like, like Kevin said, as long as you just, you know, keep calm for a few seconds and let it do its thing, you know, he'll, he'll let go. Yeah. I, I have had a few bad bites. I will say that because I know everybody likes to hear those stories. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what everybody's like. Oh, yeah. Same thing in the alligator pit. Everyone's like, oh, you in bit? I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so let's do a finger uh, check. Can you put, can you guys put your fingers up? Can you see like what's left here? All right. <laughs> They're all there. They're all there. That's what I like to see. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. So I want to ask Kevin a quick, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. Okay, well, thank you. I had two bites on my right hand where I pulled back and yeah it, it ripped it left teeth embedded in my hand that several months for my body to work them up to the surface and there there is a little bit of permanent scarring i'm just gonna have to deal with but it's not a big deal the most painful one was when i got bit on the hand i got bit right on the knuckles and Ooh. it literally someone hit my hand with a sledgehammer uh, it was so incredibly painful it was impressive um but most of the time take it in like section and you don't even feel it like it's it's not a big deal but that and I did have at one point I got bit on the wrist and it like the the teeth must have punctured like a tendon or something so mm. I couldn't take my wrist for a couple weeks just because of, it was just like fire in my wrist but most of the time it's not that bad <laughs> but the <laughs> you respect these animals as I get the point of this is these are very powerful apex predators they're not to be taken lightly um, but it's also you don't have to really be afraid of them yeah it looks like Ryan could just stare one of them down and they would just like okay I'm getting in the truck with you uh, but Kevin <laughs> I did want to <laughs> I did want to ask Kevin so it's like okay what would you rather would you rather be dropped into a snake pit with Burmese python or into a gator pit? Which one would you be able to oh, make it out of? 110%. Because here's the thing is that a python is not, I mean, again, even if it's just a defensive strike, a python is not going to remove anything from your body. <laughs> a gator. <laughs> yeah, a gator. I mean, pretty much, if you haven't got the picture, anything that you tell me, I want to play with it. So. <laughs> uh, just, okay. Whole, like, I've been playing with reptiles since I was a little kid. I've always loved just big animals. And just the older I got, the bigger and more dangerous the animals got. And 
I just love playing that out. But yeah, gators will literally remove limbs from your bodies. Pythons will give you a little puncture wounds. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, my question, watching the video of you guys, I want to pull that video back up again. As you guys pull the snake out of the water, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead a little. There's one point in here where Ryan, you're there, and it looks like this snake. You're straddling the snake. The snake is straddling you, and there's a moment where I'm panicked because it feels like the snake is gonna wrap around you. Was was is that the biggest danger when we see situations like that? Can it hurt you being wrapped around you a 19 foot snake, or or is the the teeth the bigger issue? No, that I mean the, the amount of power that. Oh my god, that thing's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, just a, a seven or eight footer, you know, if it wants to like wrap around your arm, while, you know, after you've caught it, they can they can put a serious squeeze on you. And um, I mean, I, I I mean, I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything, but I I really was more just concerned about her getting away than her squeezing me. And like I mentioned earlier, it's not our first time out there. I know Kevin was there with me. Um, if I was by myself, I might have approached that situation completely differently than, than what we did but with the two of us there um yeah it, it worked out as good as it possibly could have so i honestly wasn't concerned well i'm concerned for you i that is that is a crazy situation it is wrapped all around your body in this moment <laughs> look at that mm. i'm uncomfortable you're so in this situation yeah, you're not feeling Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. In this situation, you're not feeling uncomfortable. You're just feeling like I can't let this thing get away. Absolutely. That's that was my only that, I mean, that was the whole goal was to keep her head under control and to keep her head from getting out. And whatever happens to the with the rest of her is really it was just keeping control of that head because keeping control of the head is, is just key. Um, if you lose that head, then you're going to get bit and get away. So keeping control of that head. And I, I mean, I guess if I, if, if there was a concern, it would be if, if you see in some of the clips that her tail, they'll start to basically put themselves in a knot and they'll use that tail to, to loop around themselves. And that's, that's when they'll really, really start to put the squeeze on you. So I knew, I knew as long as Kevin was keeping that locked up that I really didn't have too much to worry about. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, you don't want to, underestimate that animal but it, it's kind of like it's kind of like a wrestling match in that you know your opponent and you know what moves they have and you can predict them before they really you know lock them in so are those like pythons when they tighten down that coil even the little guys if they really tighten down your arm it is impressive the amount of power and it's really it can get really painful when they really lock it in and just cinch it down. But I mean, on something that size, we're lucky in that we're always coming on the defensive side. We're seeing defensive behavior, not aggressive. If that snake aggressively wanted you, the power it could exert could probably shatter your rib cage with the amount of force it is. But again, we know what moves to put into play so we can keep out of ever getting to that risk 
I would say the biggest thing when we're handling them is that they're very, very smart about blood flow and stuff like that. So even seven, eight footers, I'll have them on my arm and immediately the tail starts going up and going right for the neck. They immediately know where that arc and they'll coil. If you let them do it, they'll coil right around, just cinch down and you'll black out before you even realize it. Because if you know anything about you know martial arts and stuff like that, you cut off blood supply to the brain, six to eight seconds, you can be unconscious. And they really use that to their advantage. So you always got to watch out for that. But again, defensive behavior, they're not aggressive towards us. They just want to get away. So as long as you know the moves, you can unravel and you can stay in the pocket and just not really let them tighten down and you'll be fine. But again, that's coming from two professionals, not from, you know, Joe Schmo. <laughs> yeah, it's not me out there, some big dope who doesn't know what he's doing. I can tell you guys know what you're doing. Uh, just mm. by the way, when it starts wrapping and nodding itself, you guys seem to get just in the right position. Gigi, I could talk to these guys all day. I don't know about you, but we should probably wrap I, it up here. <laughs> I just, I want them, I know, but I want them to have desk jobs, Matt. I want them to have desk jobs. <laughs> no, not happening. Sorry. There's no way I can. I'm going to veto that. <laughs> veto that move. Guys, don't let Ginger be your mom. You're doing the right thing. <laughs> uh, oh my god have you have you finance and international business <laughs> that is Do, awesome. okay yeah. we talked about this before we started do you really oh uh-oh i think we, oh there they are you guys are back so sorry repeat what you guys just said we missed it Oh, well, I think uh, I, I think our system oh, has gone. limited us. We lost their audio just, there, but two fantastic uh, guys. Oh my gosh, I love Man, them. Man, this was fun. I love them. Ryan they and Kevin, they're amazing. trying to figure out their audio, but we want to say thank you I so know. much to these guys for joining us. They gave us a half hour of their time. I think we, oh, I think we lost their gosh. audio, but man, if you ever get the chance, what, what a cool group of dudes. Yeah, and you can follow them here. I'm going to show you this at Snakeaholic and at Feel the Berm. You see these guys? So if you want to check them out, <laughs> that's their info. I am sure it's a pretty crazy uh, situation. Uh, I'm going to follow them right immediately after this episode. But Gigi, cool guys, uh, weren't they? Yeah, you know what, we, Matt? I, I I love them. I did not get to ask if you could go out with them for a hunt. I wanted to ask them if you could go along with them. If I, you could see me just waist deep in the water. You just want me to die. You want you want to have this podcast no, all to yourself. Oh uh, yeah, that's my dream. That's what it is. That's what it is. No, well, this was another I mean, that, fantastic. Were... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gigi. No, I just liked I liked them because you know you just think of these cowboy guys going out and wrangling snakes, but these guys knew what they were talking about. They obviously know what they're doing it and they're doing it for the good of the environment. So I, I love that. I agree. It seemed like they actually care about, uh, you can tell they're both South Florida guys. They really care about the area down there and the animals mm -hmm. down there. So this has been another edition yeah. of Florida's fourth estate. Thank you for watching. Thank you uh, to Ryan and Kevin for joining us on this episode. Have yourself a fantastic week. Bye. Bye.